Guys, good Tuesday afternoon. I'm Jerry Miller. Welcome to the I Love Seville show. Thank you kindly for joining us. A pleasure to connect with you through the I Love Seville network on a show today presented by Scott Wagner of Scott Wagner Integrated Medicine. Dr. Wagner has your back. I've seen it firsthand. Changing people's lives at his clinic, Scott Wagner Integrated Medicine. Today's show is a crowded one. A lot of content for you. News that I don't think you have heard so far. The pie chest closes today. It's very fitting. Today is Pi Day, March 14th, 3.14. The Pi Chess, after a strong decade-plus run, closing its doors on Heather Higher Way. The Pi Chess has seen so much. We'll try to characterize the Pi Chess legacy today on the show. We'll showcase a photo from this morning when it was you know, 32, 33 degrees and, and, and gusty. A line was out the door down 4th Street onto the downtown mall. Judah Wickhauer's got a photo he's going to put on screen in a matter of minutes. We'll talk schools. Neil Williamson, the president of the Free Enterprise Forum, was live tweeting the Albemarle County School budget meeting yesterday. And a little nugget surfaced that I found rather intriguing while Williamson was live tweeting. We know the school resource officer for Admiral High School is going to cost roughly $125,000. Did you also know that within the proposed budget for Admiral County Public Schools, an additional $566,000 is being allocated for what they're calling security assistance? I wanted to relay that information to you. I was curious what a security assistant was and how a security assistant was different from a school resource officer. Is this branding? Is this perception management? Or are they truly different positions? That topic on today's program. Will Chitter Chatter Dardentau Park, a park that very much um, services much of Charlottesville and Almaro County, right now that's a potential epicenter for a, a, a soccer field um, hub. There's four soccer fields at Dardentau Park and the opportunity to allocate additional taxpayer dollars, five to six million dollars for another four fields, taking Dardentau to eight total fields is on the table. However, Biscuit Run is potentially competition for those tax dollars. Should Almaro County allocate five to six million to Dardentau for four additional soccer fields or should Dardentale allocate $3.9 million for two fields at Biscuit Run? This is one project that can be done here. This is what's being discussed by supervisors Ned Galloway and B. Lapisto Curtley. I'll give you my answer. I think it um, is the right one, and we'll let you know why on today's show. Unfortunately, 700 people are now out of work in Glen Allen, Virginia. Tyson Foods has closed a facility in Glen Allen. Kevin Yancey sent us this story. We'll give you the details of an unfortunate closing. 700 people who just found out about their layoffs. And I'm going to ask you guys this question on today's show. What service is missing from Charlottesville? in Central Virginia. What service? Let's go to the two-shot. We'll welcome Judah Wickhauer as he can wave to his adoring fans, his friends, and all his um, admirers. Pie Chest today unfortunately closing. We come into work. It was cold. It was windy. A lot of people who work downtown realize this. The side streets downtown turn into wind tunnels. The buildings downtown can block the wind or they can create tunnels of wind. And often on 4th Street, a wind tunnel is created. Today was one of those days. 
Still, people came out by the dozens to support a business that has served the community for over 10 years. Today, Pie Day, the closing of the pie chest. If you could get the photo on screen. Um, it's on screen now. Yep. Everyone, look at the screen. The line is out the door. This is early today. The pie chest, this idea was birthed after an opportunity at the whiskey jar um, showed tangible pop, proof of performance. Rachel Pennington, the baker and the owner of the pie chest, she had tremendous success with rustic cobblers, southern pies, quaint and humble offerings served at the whiskey jar, Wilson Ritchie's restaurant, one of many owned by Wilson Ritchie. Rachel Pennington's desserts at the whiskey jar, which she personally baked, had so much success that it led to a conversation with Wilson Ritchie about opening a brand, and the pie chest was born. Wilson Ritchie, an evangelist for many brands that have essentially matriculated through his restaurant incubator, he owns 10-Course Hospitality, and if you mm-hmm. look at 10-Course Hospitality, you see many of Wilson Ritchie's lieutenants, River Hawkins comes to mind, often get brands and businesses of their own where Wilson may own a piece of in perpetuity, may own a piece of in the beginning as debt service is being paid off, a collateral essentially in the beginning. Wilson has created an incubator for businesses in the food service industry. The pie chest is a perfect example of this. It goes, Judah, from success at the whiskey jar to a standalone on on 4th Street, Heather Highway. And I want to highlight what this business has gone through, and I want you to jump in here as well. They have seen August 12, 2017. August 12, 2017, the pie chest opened its doors as a safe haven for Nazi and Antifa violence. A safe haven for? Anyone from. that was from, yeah, excuse me, from. Anyone that was in the streets on A12 could go into the pie chest and find a safe place. And many people did. Mm-hmm. The pie chest survived COVID and the pandemic. The pie chest has, saw, has, has survived a volatile cost of goods landscape, a labor shortage. And today is their last day in business, literally 50 yards, 60 yards from us where we're sitting right now. If that. If that. I know you want to offer some thoughts to celebrate and champion a business that will close at COB today and then will open as a coffee shop tomorrow. Where do you want to begin? I guess it's... uh the end of a rather small era, but the end of an era nonetheless. And uh, it's a shame that the, uh, that the owners are moving on, but uh, I think uh, in a, uh, in all the closings that we've seen recently, I think the fact that they're doing this on their own terms and for their own reasons is uh, a much better story in my mind than, uh, you know, if they were, if they were closing because they, you know, because they couldn't make the business work or because they couldn't uh, get enough workers or for whatever other reason. I concur 100%. Closing on their own, on their own accord. 
um, Rachel and um, her partner are pursuing other professional paths. Yeah. And they're choosing to pursue other professional paths that were um, inspired during a pandemic like so many of us. And they are choosing to close the doors. Yeah. I respect the decision. Um, Baking's got to be a, got to be a, a rough business. And I've said and it on previous shows, waking up your, at two, three in the morning, hell on your life and body Two, three in the morning. Um, we'll see what happens. Um, we'll see what happens with, um, what's the name of the coffee brand that's going to operate out of there? Is it lighthouse or light, uh, something like that. Why don't that. you find, look that up. Actually, I see it on the Instagram. It's Lone Light Coffee. Yeah. The pie chest will become Lone Light Coffee. The co-brand that's been operating out of their Heather Highway, 4th Street location, Lone Light Coffee, will continue. I wish him the best of luck. Coffee downtown is a crowded and competitive landscape. You have Grit. You have Mudhouse. Just to name a few. We saw Java Java close after literally an era on the pavilion side of the downtown mall and has since been replaced by Botanical. Mm-hmm. End of an era indeed for the pie chess. Rachel Pennington, I wish you um, the best as you pursue a um, writing career. Kelly Jackson says you're looking sharp with that fresh haircut. Let's go to schools. Thank you. Um, and viewers and listeners, let us know your thoughts on the pie chest. We'll read them live on air. This is a show that's dynamic where you, the viewer and listener, um, can offer perspective. Dylan's Rule on Twitter says, a service that Charlottesville is missing, missing Jerry, you ask? How about an archery range? An archery range is certainly wow. missing. I appreciate Definitely. this suggestion and read it live on air. Um, thank you, Dylan's role, for your participation today. All right, so this nugget came in the Neil Williamson live tweeting of the Almoro County School Board, um, excuse me, the Almoro County budget meeting about schools yesterday. Um, in the process of live tweeting this meeting, a little nugget surfaced on Neil's Twitter account that Almoro School's proposed budget includes over 566 566000 for security assistance at the high schools. This is in addition to the 126000 for the school resource officer at Albemarle High School. We've been talking about the 126000 for one school resource officer at Albemarle High School. And why Albemarle High School is being considered for a school resource officer is because there's been violence at this school, the largest school in Albemarle's school system. Didn't we hear that the resource officer was going to move around to all of the... Primarily for Albemarle High School. Okay. I think we have more clarity of what's going to happen at Western and Monticello now. An additional $566,000 being proposed in the budget for security assistance at the other high schools, Monticello and Western. Mm-hmm. I'd like to know these questions if I was, and I am, an Almaro County taxpayer. Okay? I'd like to know what the difference is between one $126,000 school resource officer that will primarily call Almaro High School home. And the difference between this SRO 
and a $566,000 being allocated to security assistance at high schools. What are the difference between security assistance and school resource officers? How many security assistants are being um, proposed at a $566,000 clip? Will the security assistants be rotating at an equitable clip between Monticello and Western? Or will they choose the school that has the most trouble at the time for their FaceTime, their shoe leather, and their choice of location? Okay. Is this going to be done in like a Mike Conscious Charlottesville Police Department policing district where they're targeting certain neighborhoods that are offending? Or are they going to equally police Monticello and Western at the same clip? All fair questions. What tickles your fancy on $566,000 for security assistance and $126,000 for an SRO, Judah Wickhauer? I think my big question is also uh, how many are they getting for their money? Um, I'm wondering if it's it's an optics thing. I wonder if uh, they're testing... um, I mean, we all know that some people have a uh, a an ill view of of police, and this could have this could stem from that. It could be that they're trying to see how well they can keep control with uh, with someone that's not wearing a, a cop outfit and a and a. Badge. Oh, so you think security assistant would be? And I don't like the word cop outfit. I like police uniform. Okay. As a measure of respect, I'm you think you think that's and that's a fair that's a good question. Security assistant, school resource officer, will the uniform be different? Does the security assistant have a police officer's uniform, or is the security assistant the folks that you see say at like a football game or on the right. UVA corner that are wearing yellow that are essentially glorified direction and tour guide people? Right? Or do they have legit accountability tactics that they could utilize if a fight or a brawl or an assault happens? That's a great question. And I think even. It's a great question, Judah. And I think to take that further, um, if they are, uh, if they are, you know, uh, kind of like the law extension of the school rather than the, uh, rather than the police, do they have the, uh, do they have the will uh, to do anything? Because as we know... Uh, what do you mean the will? Well, uh, we've talked about students being sent to the principal's office and then being sent back to the class because the principal or uh, whoever, whoever is making decisions of, uh, of um, you know, um, that, type of, that type of response to students acting up, they don't have the, the will to do anything about it which is why they get sent back to their classrooms because nobody wants to, nobody wants to punish them. Nobody wants to, uh, to do anything about it. So if you pay for these security assistance assistance, will they be, uh, will they be given the, uh, authority autonomy the, to actually do something or are they just there as figureheads, you know, uh, to maybe, try to scare kids into behaving when they see one of these people, you know, sauntering down the hall. Multiple folks are asking you to put the headlines on screen that we're talking about, like we did last week. Thank you, Grayson, for reminding us to do that. We will do that now. Which um, one do you want? 
Um, I would put on the lower third, the headline we're talking now would be either one, either the second or third one, Almore County Schools, 566000 for six, for security assistance being proposed and 126000 being proposed for a school resource officer. Kevin Yancey, I see your comment. Um, the 126000 is not just um, salary for the SRO. There are other components to that 126000 as well, training components um, that eat up that money. Um, so I want to offer some clarity on that. We got somebody trying to come into our podcasting studio here looking for an autograph from Judah Wickara. I had to wave her away yeah. because we were live on air. I'll have to start leaving some uh, tape to the door so people can just take them. We off. need a live on air sign on the front door. I was actually thinking about that last night before I went to sleep in the wee hours of the morning. Um, all right, so in conclusion, this is what you should ask if you live in this area it's the proposed budget. For the next school year, it's a lot of money. The number one line item in Albemarle County's budget, which is over $500 million a year, is schools. Schools are somewhere in the neighborhood of 35 to 40% of the budget. Within this proposed budget for the next school year, there's two line items for security or policing within the hallways. The first line item is one you should know if you listen or watch this show. It's $126,000 per year for one school resource officer who will primarily be camped at Almoral High School. Additionally, and this was uncovered by Neil Williamson, who attended the meeting yesterday in person, there's $566,000 being proposed and planned for security assistance. Judah Wickhauer and I have these questions about security assistance. Will they have the same policing power? and accountability measures that an SRO has. How many security assistants come with the $566,000 price tag? The $566,000 for the security assistants are for Western and Monticello. Will they be split evenly, or will they be allocated, or will they be allocated to schools that have trouble, like we're utilizing the CRO strategy, the SRO strategy? All good questions. Um, Kevin says most SROs normally are former or retired police officers or active as well. Active as well because they're still earning a paycheck. Um, I want to go to, football, I wanna go to uh, sports and Darden Tal versus Biscuit Run. So if you could put that lower third on screen, the first one. There is a conversation being had on the Board of Supervisors right now whether we should expand the athletic field offering at Darden Tal Park Dardentau Park already has four athletic fields, calm soccer fields, and we can 2x the soccer fields at Dardentau Park from four to eight by spending five to six million dollars of taxpayer money. Alternatively, we can add two soccer fields, athletic fields, to Biscuit Run Park at a $3.9 million clip. What would you do? If you were in a position of leadership and decision making, would you take Darden Town Park from four soccer fields to eight, or would you build two soccer fields brand new on the south side of Charlottesville at Biscuit Run Park, which frankly has been an afterthought since this uh, park was designated a, a park in a tax relief 
I don't want to use the word scheme, tax relief strategy utilized a decade plus ago when the housing market crashed. Judah, I would, I think the, the decision is clear. And rotate the lower third headlines between these two since they're relevant. Um, I think the decision is clear. You add the additional soccer fields to Dardentau. If you take Dardentau and you spend five to six million bucks and you go from four soccer fields to eight, Dardentau Park legitimately becomes a place where you can start holding tournaments. Now, the next barrier of entry for regional tournaments is lights. And oftentimes, these regional tournaments have lights. And the stadium lighting of today is very different than the stadium lighting of 20 to 25 years ago. The lighting of yesteryear had light pollution <coughs> because the light was not downward shooting. The light pollution of yet the stadium lighting of yesteryear could be seen from afar. Today's stadium lighting is very targeted and is much more nuanced. So adding lights to Dardentau Park would not necessarily impede the skyline or quality of life or cause light pollution for neighborhoods like Cascadia, which is located right across from the park. If you go from four to eight, it's more affordable. You get more value. You get more bang for your buck. And I think that's important. I think creating two new parks at Biscuit Run, while it would be nice to have two new soccer fields at Biscuit Run um, on the south side of Charlottesville, then you'd have other difficulties like raising awareness that those fields are there because Biscuit Run has been such an afterthought for so long. You can't just build two fields like Field of Dreams, Kevin Costner and James Earl Jones. If you build it, they will come. That's not how it works in real life. They would then have to create a campaign to educate the community that the fields exist, and that would be additional money and additional tax dollars. It's clear that Dardentau is the right solution. Viewers and listeners, what do you think? First, Judah B. Wickhauer, the show is yours. Uh, it sounds like you've got it all down. Uh, um, Darden sounds like the way to go. And... Uh, just because I heard this recently and I figured I'd add it, uh, it's, if you build it, he will come. Okay. It's one of those, uh, everybody uh, knows the line differently, but. Uh, if you build it, he will come. Yeah. Thank you for that clarity. <laughs> that's, that's great value you just provided there. <laughs> you're, you're so that's welcome. Very good value that you provided on the Darden Biscuit Run Park. The viewers and listeners are appreciative of that value. Uh, Matt Daring, the king of cycling, uh, watching the program. He says this, Darden Tau, it's cheaper, even at the higher price point, plus Biscuit Run is mostly natural and would be nice to stay that way. Well said. Well said, king of cycling. We agree on something, Matt. Matt, we agree on something. I'm going to put that in the, I'm going to put that in the, in the, uh, in the comments section here. The king of cycling, who I have a tremendous amount of respect for, he listens to the program. We are often very different in our opinions on something. We agree on something, exclamation point. A um, couple more facts about Dardentau that you may not know. I was doing a little research on Dardentau for the talk show. There's four soccer fields there, three softball fields, one little league field. Um, you got pickleball courts, tennis courts, a batting cage. Uh, you actually have a cricket pitch. There's a dog park, a grass volleyball court, a playground for 5 to 12-year-olds. There's trails. There's a dog park. Well, I already said the dog park. There's a boat launch to Ravana River. 
Dardentau Park was actually named after um, a Charlottesville city councilor named Dardentau. Dardentau, the Seville city councilor, was a Republican, interestingly, was a Republican member of council who served in the 70s, 1970s. Juna is astonished. Um, He, in 1990, came in third place in a council race that featured front of the program David Toscano, the retired delegate. Kay Slaughter finished in first in the 1990 city council election with 3,648 votes. Our friend David Toscano second, Slaughter and Toscano Democrats, and Darden Tao, a Republican, third. City council, how about that? Republican. Park named after him. Um, All right, next headline on screen. This is from... Kevin Yancey, he sent us this link. Um, Glenn Allen. Glenn Allen is what? About an hour from here? It's Richmond. Yeah. You have a map on screen with the circles that you can put on there for us? Yeah. Let us know when that's on screen. Let, let the folks know with that baritone voice when it's on screen. Um, there was a Tyson Foods facility in Glen Allen that employed 700 people. What's up? Look at the screen. The map is up. Look how close it is to Charlottesville. Two months from now, Tyson's Food, Tyson Foods will close this facility. It's going to try to shift a man to another location. 700 people are going to be out of work. They find out, what, three paychecks before they lose a job? Something like that. Maybe four paychecks before they lose a job. You're paid every two weeks. There's some people that have been working at this plant for over 40 years, as characterized by multiple media uh, accounts of this. Interestingly, the plot has a twist outside of just a corporation uh, putting profits over people. Tyson Foods has a deal in the Danville area where they're getting taxpayer dollars to open a new facility. This new facility in the Danville, Virginia area is going to create 400 jobs, Judah. For a net loss of 300. A net loss of 300. Glenn Allen employed 700 people. Even more sketchy? How about this for more sketchy? The 700 people at the Glen Allen plant, all union employees. The 400 people at the soon-to-be-built Danville plant, fueled by taxpayer dollars... Non-union employees. They closed the union plant in Glen Allen, where 700 people worked, and they replace it with a Danville plant, 400 people versus 700, 300 less jobs, 300 less bodies to pay for, and then they prioritize a non-union facility, Danville, which they're going to build thanks to taxpayer incentives. That right there is the definition of, and Judah's going to have a lot to say of this, um, Profits over people. I think the absolute definition of this. You tell people four paychecks two months away that they're going to lose their job. They give them no runway. They don't help them find new jobs. Some have been there decades. That's all they know. They did, uh, just, to, just to add to that, I think they did say that they were going to try to help people find other jobs and move to other places. Yeah, they just have to move from Glen Allen to Danville. 
Sure, you could get another job at our factory. You just have to move five hours across the state, leave the, leave your family, leave the home that you own, all your friends, your grandchildren, your mommies, your daddies, your puppies, your favorite grocery store and your restaurant, and come to southwestern Virginia. That's you, not genuine. That's not a genuine offer. That's entirely fair. I just Especially wanted, since these just, are not high-paying high jobs. Yeah, I just wanted to point out they're not leaving them completely high and dry. At least by the, by their account. By the letter of the law, by offering their, a job at Danville is offering um, a job. By the actuality of life, not many folks are going to go from Glen Allen to Danville to work a factory job. Yeah, it's a wrong we're, deal. We're, we're not talking meta. And speaking of meta, meta's fired 22,000 people in five months. Today, they announced the layoff of 10,000 more people. Did you see that? In, yep. far, in fact, founder and CEO Mark Zuckerberg released a statement, a memo, and he says in this memo and this statement, which is circulating all over the macro news cycle, that we are now entering a period of the American economy where big business is going to have to be lean and shrewd with its balance sheet and payroll. The days of lavish spending and hiring people to do elaborate jobs are over. Not only are they, not only have they laid off 22,000 people in five months, they took 5,000 job openings and eradicated them. Yeah. So this is 22,000 layoffs in five months, plus 5,000 other positions they were thinking about hiring. They just evaporized. They evaporated. Yeah. I, we're going into a time, and, and we'll ask this about Alex Zerpe, a time in the American economy where... Tech in particular, thanks to rising rates, is going to pinch dollars at levels that we haven't seen in maybe a generation. And as they pinch dollars, jobs are going to be more difficult to get. And that's a direct correlation with rising rates right now, as the dollar becomes more expensive. All right, Alex Erpe, T-minus 90 seconds. I'm going to ask you, and let me get to some comments here first. Matt Daring, the king of cycling, says, Biscuit Run has some great single track and double track trails. I would hate to lose those. I agree. And Matt, I think you may appreciate this comment. One of my favorite places to mountain bike is Walnut Creek Park. I love mountain biking at Walnut Creek Park. And I will also say this. I was having this conversation with, with my friend Dave. Um, do a lot of mountain biking at O Hill, Observatory Hill. If you can mountain bike Observatory Hill, O Hill, you can mountain bike just about any trail in Central Virginia. O Hill is technical, it's vertical, it's rocky, it's full of roots, it's, it's tight, single track. You can go O Hill on that 45-minute, one-hour hot lap. You can do just about any trail in this area. Um, what service is missing from this community, do you think? Dylan's rule on Twitter says an archery. An archery. I like that Dylan's rule. What do you think, Judah Wickower? I have some ideas. Rollerblading rink. A rollerblading rink. Wouldn't that just be a skating rink? Yeah. You would allow four wheels on there, right? Yeah, yeah. That's what I meant. I... Why would you like a skate? Why skating rink would be cool. Tell, tell us about the skating rink vision. I'll ask you this question. I when just, you come on the show, uh, he's in the green room. Alex Serpy, the CEO of Emergent Financial Services. I'll say it loud, I'll say it proud. Emergent Financial Services. What service is missing from Central Virginia? You're asking me again? 
I mean, why a rolling roller skating <laughs> rink? Okay, I mean, I, 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 I really hope you back up roller skating rink with some legitimate ammunition. And why I'm saying this is because it's a massive facility. The overhead on a roller skating rink is going to be astronomical. Furthermore, we've seen through history that the roller skating rink, much like the ice rink, ice skating rink, does not have a very bright future. And that's why there are not that many of them. But I am going to be open-minded, and I'm trying to learn from past mistakes where I've cut you off. Why would a roller skating rink or a skating rink be a good idea for Charlottesville? The show is yours. Um, I, as to why it would be a good place for Charlottesville, maybe it's not. Uh, Charlottesville, uh, you know, I've heard it said that, uh, that part of the problem with, uh, with what's going on with the kids today is that, uh, is that they've got nothing to do. Oh, I like to, where you're going here. Nowhere to go, um, and I don't know that this would be uh, this would be uh, an answer to that. But uh, I just I have fond memories of of skating rinks in. Uh, Did you smoke the doobies by the both. roller skating rinks? Did you try to talk to the girls? Were you uh, up to, to well, some tomfoolery and some shenanigans, ooh. or were you just working on your figure eights and drinking some soda pop? Probably neither. Okay. Uh, if I, I gone, think I did all of the above. If I, Go ahead. If I'd gone in California, I would have been at the oldest, eleven years old. Uh, going in, uh, going in Maine, uh, would have been in junior high. Uh, don't think I ever went in high school, and I, you know, I certainly wasn't uh, wasn't smoking anything in junior high. Okay. But uh, you were a better kid than me. <laughs> But it was it was fun for the most part, and uh, I loved the uh, I loved the churros. The churros, oh, we got that a was, churros mention here. That was, I think the last churros mention was today, manana on a Thursday. Probably. Yeah. Well, when we get you on set here, I would love to hear what service that Alex Serpy would love to hear here. This, this is a great likely, co- conversation. This yeah. would likely have been in California. I don't know that. I don't know anywhere else that I've ever seen uh, churros besides uh, south of the border, um, but they had them at the at the skating rink in in Los Angeles. And Judah Whitcarra misses the churros at the uh, skating rink in Los Angeles. Delicious. Swears he was not chatting up the ladies or smoking the doobies or getting into shenanigans or tomfoolery. Is that safe to say? For the most part, there okay. was there were some late. I, I think he does. I think. I think all the viewers and listeners know some, who the troublemaker some, is. There were some ladies. There were some ladies, uh, probably in Maine. I don't think I was chasing any any girls when I was uh, ten or eleven. What well, Alex Herpes on set and the triangle of content right here, the equilateral triangle of content. Although it's becoming a little unbalanced here, um, and what I mean by that is the layout. One side seems to be a little more, and frankly, the viewers and listeners have no idea what we're talking about because yeah, our heads are just on screen. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Um, what service is missing, do you think? That's the first thing that came to mind. And I don't know if this is like financially feasible, but this is just me and my brother's thinking is um, either axe throwing, I think the closest one's in Richmond. Hmm. Or there's one at Pro Renata. There's one but isn't it like a temporary? Isn't that like a truck I think that it shows is up temporary. every once in a while? Yeah. Yeah, I can never see quite a night now, it's not permanent. And or I know DC um, has like one of those things where they teach you like medieval arts, like sword fighting and stuff like that. That would be I would probably sign up for that. Okay, that's you know, I like. Maybe that's very much a die 
or be bro answer. All right, so. that's a great answer. I, I love, love throwing I some love axes. It. What's that, Judah? I love it. Yeah, me too. I'm I absolutely fan- love I'm a it. fantasy geek, though. Yeah, I know I love it. Matt Daring says, Richmond has a pump track, multi, multiple actually. Harrisonburg does, Lynchburg does, Roanoke does. I would say a pump track, a BMX track, a jump line. Mm-hmm. Goochland has a jump line for crying out loud. So the king of cycling, a proponent of cycling. Ooh, a lot of comments coming in here. Uh, let's go to um, Albert Graves, Warrior AG, a go-kart track, a roller skating rink, an oh, arcade, okay. more kid-friendly stuff. Interestingly, Decades Arcade is opening on the downtown mall in the very near future on the pavilion side of the downtown mall. Decades Arcade is a reason for teens and kids to come to downtown. Mm. A lot of people have said... And that side, I think, needs more traction to get there, yeah. That side can be sketchy boat. Sketchy boat. Yeah, exactly. You really want to... Right now, you don't really want to pass the parking garage. Yeah. So that would be like get some more people walking in that direction. Especially since um, Bashir's has closed... And Bashir's is now a city office. Yeah. And Himalayan Fusion mm-hmm. is on the market for sale, and I think the hours are limited. And Blue Ridge Country Store is not open on the weekends. So that side of the mall becomes yeah. ghost town esque. Exactly. That's where mm-hmm. Decades is moving. Elizabeth Niso says roller skating rink. She agrees with you. Maria Marshall Barnes says Fashion Square Mall is perfect for a roller skating rink. It's sitting empty. Maria Marshall Barnes also says Skate Town existed when I was in elementary school. Skate Town. You remember Skate, Skate Town? Town? I think that might have been what the one in California was called, but uh, it's been a few years. Um, Janice Boyce Trevelyan, I will um, ask Alex undoubtedly the question on the bank failure. Thank mm. you for asking that mm-hmm. question. It's coming up in a matter of moments. Elizabeth Niso says activities for young people and older too. There's few things to do since the ice skating rink has gone. Ice skating rinks are important. Um, a lot of people yeah. responding well to this. This is what I would love to see. Ooh, um, actually, it was uh, Curtis that was a huge fan of a bike pump track. That's the King of Green, Curtis Shaver, who's a hell of a cycling uh, advocate I as well. I don't know the answer to this. Is there like a legit, like one of those big carousels in uh, Charlottesville, like they used to have? You know, no, well, there's one like, on the downtown mall by Discovery Museum. Is that one? Big one, or is that like that little one? That's a tiny one with there's the horses? There's a tiny one with yeah. the horses. I'm thinking like, you remember they used to have like the big ones right combined with ice cream shops that you would have ice cream, and they had this, maybe they had it in California, and then when I visited my uh, future in-laws in Montana, like they have these like the big ones. That oh you yeah, remember I know what you're kid. talking about. And you did ice cream and then go on the carousel. Like the little kids, I used to love that. Often those big carousels have this little gold ring that you can pull um, when you're going around the carousel. And if you pull the gold ring, not all the rings are gold, you get a prize. But I know exactly what he's talking about, the gold ring. I'd love to see this, okay? And I think this service could work. I would love to see a mobile or traveling barber. Oh. Okay. Someone that can go to you. You'd pay a premium because they're coming to you. Yeah. With... Their scissors, all their equipment, their clippers, everything you need. Cut your hair, say it's your off. I would pay a little bit of a premium to have my hair cut here. As opposed to me going to my barber every three weeks, waiting 45 minutes, then in the chair for 30 minutes to 40 minutes, then driving back to work. Man. Okay. My experience at my barber, who I love, is roughly an hour to 90 minutes. I would pay a premium to shave that time off in a three-week period. I'd pay between forty and fifty dollars for that. When I got my right now, I'm cutting twenty. I'm paying twenty-five for a haircut. When I got my haircut, you go to the haircuttery. 
I go to a local guy that has demand that people book months in advance. And when you go to the hair cuttery, you do not ask for a specific barber or mm. or, or, or stylist. Yeah, because you have a specific you have, yeah, I have a specific, specific one. Yeah, yeah but, a specific one. Now that being but said, if, but whoever you, did your hair most recently did a bang up job. But if you, you look sch- like a model here. But if you schedule a time. They don't do scheduling. This guy doesn't do a lot of barbers oh, don't a lot so of barbers you just have don't to schedule. Go in and yeah. hope that he's there that day? Well, you know which days he works and you go in <laughs> and wait for him. Like Chung's barbershop, a lot of, like if Ray Cadell was watching this program right now, people go to Chung's, they have a barber, Curtis. You go to Chung's. Curtis Shaver's been to P- Chung's. Who's your guy at Chung's? King of Green, Curtis Shaver. Who's your guy? A lot of people go to Chung's. And they will let people take their turn because they're waiting for a barber, a specific one that they like to go to. Wow. I'm the same with mine. I don't go to Chung's. I go to another barber shop. I don't want to, if I mention this, he's going to blow up. And my 45 minutes is going to be 90 minutes over there. <laughs> he's got a ton of business. Um, I would pay for someone to come here. Does that service exist? Does anyone know? Not Any viewer know. and listener know Not if there's a mobile barber? The mobile barber yeah. could charge 40 to 50 bucks a haircut. They could book multiple uh, appointments at once downtown. Be like, Tuesdays and Thursdays are my downtown day. Open your Rolodex. Be like, hey, I'm going to be over Put it on social media. It's like the food truck of Barber. Where you're going to be like, I'm going to be downtown on Tuesday if you want a haircut. And he stacks appointments. And he doesn't pay rent. $4,000 a month in rent. Okay? He just literally brings his stuff in a backpack to you. It can even have a water bottle on there if he needs to get your hair wet. It's got he, all the product. Now, I wonder, though, where That's the, a business with such little barrier. Is he eventually. capped at growth, though? Well, yeah, he's capped at growth. His time. Yeah, his, his time. time. What I'm saying is that if, you have, if you're like a normal bar, like you have an uh, actual location barbershop, I would imagine over time one of your goals is to kind of like slowly pass off your some customers and, to, t- and rake a percentage to employee number two, yeah. employee number three. Harder to do if you're the mobile guy because what are you going to do? Send employee number. Hey, employee number two is cutting your hair today. You'd be like, no, I, I want you. You come into my office and do it. It's a little harder. I would think of a sell. Whereas if you're coming in, you kind of see the other guys. You're not. Oh yeah, he's also good. Number three's good. Number four's good. Very difficult to scale. Yeah. I will say this. Let's say the guy. I think what you can do it? Curtis Shaver says he goes to Mike at Studio One Hundred Eight. Now I will. Men- I will mention this live on air. Neil Williamson. Hey, Neil. We were talking about your. Uh, and Judah, put the lower third for schools for for what we're talking about, if you could. Uh, Neil Williamson. We were talking about your Albemarle County school tweet. The five hundred sixty-six thousand dollars for the security assistance early in the show, and we wondered the difference between a security assistant and an SRO. We wondered how many security assistants came in that five hundred sixty-six thousand dollars, and we wondered if security assistants had the same autonomy from a policing standpoint as SROs. He goes to Kevin at Chung's Neil Williamson. Which one do you Here's want? The one about what service is missing from Charlottesville, Virginia. If a mobile barber does fifty dollars a cut, and they do. Five cuts a day. Most barbers are cutting a lot more than five yeah, people a day. That's $250 a day gross. He has no overhead. She has no overhead in this model. 250 a day. Let's say they work four days a week. That's $1,000. A thousand a week. That's 1000 a week. The mobile barber, 50G out of the, clip, out of the mm-hmm. gate, yeah, working a light schedule. 50K, that's a light schedule. And remember, the mobile barber, what's the mobile barber's overhead? Insurance? The, I mean, the truck, yeah, insurance. insurance. Yeah, they're still going to use their vehicle, Property personal tax, vehicle. Yeah, yeah, 
Yeah, no overhead whatsoever. Um, Neil Williamson says 14 security, um, security assistance, Judah, 14. Not the same autonomy, but much of the same training. Thank you, Neil Williamson. Mm-hmm. That's valuable knowledge right there from Neil Williamson. I found this out on his Twitter account. He was in person at the meeting yesterday. $566,000 for 14 security assistants. And they don't have the same policing autonomy or power as the SRO, $126,000 for Admiral High School, the SRO, but a lot of the same training. Judas, there's something on your mind before we go to the next topic, my friend? Uh, nope, just adding. The- You're adding the, okay, beautiful. Alex Herpy, the show is yours. Silicon Valley Bank, Signature Bank, yep. First Republic Bank. Yesterday was scary, scary, scary. Markets responded today. The mm-hmm. only hope I have out of this mess <laughs> is this scares the bejeebus out of Powell from a hawkish standpoint and a rates height standpoint to be determined. <sighs> Educate us on what happened first. That's to be determined. So, yeah. Who, the, what, when, the, where, why? The first one is going to be Silicon Valley Bank. That's, that was the first one um, to go under. It has its own particular things. This is not, I'm going to say it first off, this is not comparable from what we know now to the bank failures in 08 where you have mortgages across the board are failing. That's a very common scenario that all banks have mortgages essentially on their books, right? That's not what we're looking at here. This bank particularly focused on Silicon Valley tech startups. So a lot of tech companies had money at this bank. Part of the issue is that tech companies use a lot of rolling debt, particularly since at the beginning, when you're a tech startup, you actually, you look at a lot of these tech startups, right? Tesla, just as an example, right? Operated at losses for numerous years. In other words, that's not out of, it's not just Tesla's a bad company, it's because that's what tech startups do. They operate at losses for a number of years, they have a lot of rolling debt, and rolling debt just means I take out a loan at a bank. Also a called floating loan. debt. Also, to- yeah. well, floating means the rate, okay, yeah, floating can mean two different things there, but in this case, what we're referring to is you take that loan at a bank, when that loan comes due, you pay that loan off with a new loan, with the money from a new loan, and you just keep doing this. So when times are good, you can do this indefinitely. When times get tough, eh, I actually now need to take some of my cash and do this. So a lot of people then began to look at the books of Silicon Valley Bank because they were beginning to pull their money out. The issue on the asset side is that Silicon Valley Bank, like other banks, is supposed to keep a certain amount of required reserve, meaning if you think about it, for the most part, when you make a deposit at the bank, the bank doesn't just put your money in the vault and let it sit there. They make money by then lending that money or buying treasuries, United States Treasury uh, bills, bonds, etc., the required reserve is a percent that they're supposed to keep in treasuries. Now, what SVP did is, which other banks have done, I'm not saying they're the only one, they poorly managed the rising interest rate environment, meaning they bought longer-term treasuries when rates were really low to try to make more money, right? Because it's very difficult as a bank to make money when rates, the short-term treasury, remember, as late as 2020, early 2021, that was at 0%. So you're sitting there saying, I'm not going to buy anything short, because I make no money, right? So I'm going to go out there, five, seven, ten-year treasury notes to treasury bond, right? The problem with that is when then the Federal Reserve raises rates. When, the, when rates go up, the price of fixed-rate bonds goes down. So suddenly, all these people, depositors, show up at Silicon Valley Bank saying, we want to pull out money, and Silicon Valley Bank goes to its 
actual assets that it has in-house and says, uh-oh, if I go to sell these bonds, they are worth a lot less than, I, than they were before. In other words, I don't actually have enough to pay everyone off. Yeah. So you get, it just spirals into a run on the bank. Federal Reserve came in, pulled off the whole thing. Now there are, as the story continues over the weekend, there are some issues um, that may come back to bite them. They're, they are reporting, I think there is now an investigation being looked into Silicon Valley Bank because um, several of their executives sold their stock yep. in the two weeks prior to them going under, and they paid out bonuses to all their executives the day before yeah. they went under. So, so sketchy. Little, yeah, which is extremely sketchy. So there is a, there's also the possibility here they knew that they were doing some funny business yeah. and making bad investments and tried to all get out before this hit the fan. So that's what happened there. Signature, difficult to say whether it's connected. Signature's issue is not so much that they had a lot of tech companies uh, as depositors, but rather they were very big into the crypto space. They had a lot of crypto investments. They had a lot of ESG investments, which whatever you want to say about that, in a uh, oil increasing a rising oil price environment, that's those investments have not done well. So they were in a separate boat, whereby what they had chosen to invest in um, may have been very poorly decided. First Republic. Hence, First Republic is the newest one. Difficult to say what their particular issue is yet. I, I don't have enough news, to be honest with you, on what is specific to them. The issue we run into now with one, two, three banks having fear. problems is you now get the, the fear around of the fear. bank mentality. Yeah. Now, the interesting thing here is the Federal Reserve is out there saying that all the credit, all the depositors are going to be made whole at SVP and, I believe, um, yeah. at Signature. I don't know what they've said about First Republic. The interesting thing is that every person in the United States at an FDIC-insured bank yeah. has a $250,000 basically insurance. In other words, you will be reimbursed for that by the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation, FDIC. What's unusual is that they have now said that even though these tech companies had millions, that somehow they will be made whole. Yeah. Um, that just sounds very bailout-ish. That is bailout. That's essentially a bailout of yeah. taxpayer funds. What's surprising to me is there's been no word about selling these assets. SVP had a um, money management arm. It had uh, an asset, like a wealth manager arm. Well, Xavier and I are just very surprised. Those assets should be sold off first and used to pay depositors. Our concern is that basically the bailout kind of lets those people get off the hook. Um, look, I want you to jump in. You got something yeah, valuable got to say here. I, we got to get the uh, update the headline on screen, so folks know what we're talking about here. Um, we'll get your comments in um, in the feed. Judah's going to jump in once we get the headline updated because it's confusing some folks. I'm seeing in what the comments section. What do you want it to be? Just say what. Um, what do you think a good headline for this is? It would be like what happened to two banks over the weekend. What you know? What drove <laughs> the bank runs over the weekend? Mm -hmm. What drove the bank runs over the weekend? We can write that on screen here. Um, all right. This is – I'm. you're the pro. I'm the layman. Mm -hmm. Is the fear warranted? First part of the question. Second part of the question is, is this strictly an influenza that's going to influence and impact the super wealthy? Or does this touch Main Street, <coughs> Charlottesville? Mm -hmm. Okay.
Mm-hmm. And then the third part of the question is this. What's the next step in this story? Mm. Show is yours. And then okay. J-Dubs, you jump in because you've got a lot to offer, my friend. Show yes. is yours. So for, I'll take them in order. First one, for the average person, I don't think fear is warranted at this point. Most people do not have $250,000 in one bank in a bank account at one bank. If you do, if you've sold a home recently, you got four hundred fifty thousand dollars in there, or if somehow you have accumulated over two hundred fifty thousand dollars and it is in one bank, you should diversify, diversify. your banks because it's per depositor. The FDIC insurance is per depositor per bank. So in other words, if you have one two hundred fifty thousand dollar account at Bank A and one two hundred fifty thousand dollar account at Bank B, you are insured for both. So you have five hundred thousand dollars worth of insurance. If it's all at one bank, you only have two fifty. So my would definitely suggest if that happens to be your case, you should, as a prudent matter, regardless of whether bank runs are happening, diversify those among yeah. And I believe, it's also, I believe it's also 500000 for joint accounts. Yes, so it's per deposit. If you have a joint account, you are two depositors. That is correct, Judah. So if, you're, uh, if you have a joint account, you are technically two depositors, so it's double the insurance. So in that case, in other words, so you just have to look per person if you have more than 250. The average person does not have that. I mean, the average right. uh, American doesn't even have 250000 in retirement account savings, let alone in a checking account or a savings account. At a bank. So I, I don't think there's not a scenario here where we should be panicking and running on our local banks to try to get your money out. That's, you're really not at a major risk there. The slight concern that I, I have and I know what Javier has is that what this is revealing is that the interest rate environment that we are seeing is a major problem for banks. Now this, Ooh, yeah. that's not a shocker even if you, even if these three banks were run perfectly, which clearly they were not, right? A, banks do not do well when the yield curve is inverted. And what I mean by that, an inverted yield curve means the Federal Reserve has raised rates on the one that they control, which is the short end of the yield curve, so the three-month, six-month. In other words, bonds that are due, that you get your money back, you know, one year or less. They have raised those rates. The bond market is looking to the future and saying this is not sustainable you are not having an impact w- rates at the long end 10 plus years are still sitting around three two to three so the issue is the yield curve now kind of looks like this if people can see it on the camera short is high long is low banks cannot make money when that yield curve does if you think about a bank what are you doing you are lending to make money right and paying your depositors in savings accounts particularly, right, and paying your depositors an amount. You make money on the spread between yeah. what you lend and what you make, including also not just what you lend but what you buy in the terms juice. of treasuries, right? This is a very difficult environment for banks to make money, it is doing, and it's going to continue to be so regardless of how well the bank is run, how well that's managed. So that is, I think the more longer term the more long term concern that the rising interest rate environment is a problem for banks i doubt i highly doubt svp svb is the only bank that had longer dated treasuries because no bank was going to be sitting there in 2020 saying eh, i'll just buy 3 month treasury bills at 0% they were going to go long and they have probably been hammered by a decrease in the value of those assets that's fantastic yeah. right there from Alex. Judah, show is yours. I know you have a lot. 
Um, yeah, I'm not even sure where to start. But uh, first of all, I think that um, uh, to – I think you may have mentioned something about this, and I'm also responding to Vanessa Parkhill's comment. Um, I agree that they shouldn't be covering over the 250. Uh, Vanessa Parkhill specifically says deposits over 250K should not be covered. Mm. And this needs to go through Congress for approval if the federal government, a.k.a. we the people, pick up the tab for this. She also says forget the $250,000. Some average Americans are happy to have 250 left after they pay their rent and buy their groceries every month. Your show is yours. It's right. succinct commentary on this. So first of all, I don't think the – I think the Fed is – they're not so much covering all of that as they are, and, and this is kind of questionable in itself. Mm-hmm. I believe they're guaranteeing the bonds that SVB had at, uh, at what they're going to mature to. Mm-hmm. So basically they're saying, basically they're saying we'll, we'll cover this for now. We're going to pretend like all your bonds are going to fully mature and come in and – I don't think they're paying anything out of the Fed or out of FDIC to actually cover this stuff. They're using the FDIC in the interim to pay a lot of this stuff off. But eventually all of the funds that – all the funds are going to come from the bank. All right, you're getting technical. Yeah, it's, it's, here. It's, it's, it's interesting. That is essentially what they're doing with the Fed. And now, I don't know exactly how the Fed intends to do it, but they are basically – what the Fed is saying is we will – lend you the money with those bonds as collateral. We will yeah. lend SVB the money that you need to pay off your depositors. Now, the issue with that is, okay, you could make the technicality, right, that the Federal Reserve is not the Treasury, so therefore it's not taxpayer. But we all know that in practice, it's essentially the same money. Yeah. They, yeah. they will trade this money out of thin air, devaluing the value of the rest of our money. Here, here's... Mm. But, but then it will be paid off, right? But I, that's the tricky part. I have no idea how they intend to pay that off. Because even if the Fed does lend the money using those bonds as collateral, I fail to see how those bonds are going to reach the point at which well, they successfully pay off all their depositors, considering that they've gone under, unless they're the, also counting on selling some of the, the other the, assets of the, the bank. Bonds, yeah, the bonds might, might not, but they are selling the bank. Somebody mm-hmm. is either going to buy the bank or buy all of the assets from the bank. And so I don't think the government is planning on paying any is they're not they're not covering all this and it's not our money, you know, it's not taxpayer money the way we think of it usually in terms mm-hmm. of bailouts that's being Yeah, it's paid. not Congress appropriating money to Go straight into the bank's coffers. For the for the sake of a, a topic that's going to resonate with yeah. the wide mm-hmm. audience that listens to this program for Charlottesville-related um, commentary, why don't I throw this? How or could, could is a better word, could this be an influenza that spreads to Charlottesville Main Street in any capacity? Or is this compartmentalized, isolated, it's in its own silo. It's in the IPO, the one percenter, the uber wealthy mm. tech world, and let's just forget about it and move on. That's a tricky one. That's a tricky one. It'll, a lot of it will depend on how panicky people get. Yeah. You know, sometimes the panic and the run itself causes an issue that there wouldn't have been otherwise. Because most banks, 
But I said, the way banks work, most banks do not have your money sitting there in the vault. They don't have money for all their depositors sitting in the bank vault. The crazy, nor should they. The yeah, cra- nor should they. Nor should the, they. The crazy thing that I found out recently is that neither is the FDIC doesn't have what it should have either. <laughs> Compared to, you know, mm-hmm. if, we're talking about, uh, if we're talking about money on deposit, uh, the FDIC does not have enough to cover what it might need to cover. Mm-hmm. Charlottesville. 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 Anywhere. I know, no. Let's talk Charlottesville. In Charlottesville, put your money in a, in a credit union. Okay. Here's the question. Charlottesville, does this, how does this impact Central Virginia? It's a wait and see to be determined. It's kind of a Don't wait panic and, see. and buy the toilet paper and no. the Lysol like we did in the pandemic. No. Don't run and take your money out of no. Yeah, do not UVA make a run in the union. bank. Yeah. Do not make a run in the bank. That's the advice. Understand your bank, the local bank, I'm sure, is also in a more difficult environment in terms of making money. They're probably going to, you know, they're probably struggling, but that doesn't mean that they're going to go under. You know, so I think you just have to be calm and, and relax and know that the, the banking system, this is what happens. They, they struggle in rising interest rate environments, and they make money in low interest rate environments. When the spread, I shouldn't say rising, they struggle in inverted yield curve environments. They make money in positively sloped. Um, Janice Boyce Trevelyan, specifically for Alex Erpy, should we all have cash at home in case this happens to more of us? Ooh. Um, I mean, there's always somewhat of a reason to have a little cash for emergency, but I wouldn't switch your bank checking account to cash out of fear that the bank will go under and you will be unable to get your money. Your, your money. Yeah. Because that is the purpose And a lot of, of accounts are returning five per, close to 5% Exactly, now. exactly. And the issue is in this environment. Right, that's it, great in this environment. Cash at home lost 6%. Last year, he's talking inflation. Year inflation. over year, CPI. Year 6%. over year, CPI is came out today as six percent. And by at home, he means under your yeah. proverbial under the mattress. Exactly. So if you put a hundred dollars under the under the mattress on February first of last year, you got ninety four cents. You have ninety four dollars out of that. Yeah, ninety four dollars. Um, that's a great description right there. It, he's the pro. It seems to me from this person's perspective. First off, I'm not a huge cash on hand guy. I like the cash in real estate, and I like the cash in stocks and equities. I also have lines of credit where if I do need cash, I can utilize a line of credit at a pretty secure, at a very low rate um, right now. So if I do need that cash, I'll just engage a, a line of credit that I got. Um, but for the folks, I understand, certainly retired folks or folks that are retiring, having cash on hand, they may want that sense of security or conservativeness yeah, it, that comes with it. It's got to be because you're worried about a different kind of emergency where you will need cash. The issue is cash on hand as an investment right trash. now is, trash. is costing you, yeah. particularly because as a senior, if you are retired, there's a good chance your interest rate that you are facing is Maybe more than six percent, depending on you're talking that's 6% inflation. Inflation, Cause why? Because medicine is, and all the other stuff that seniors have, you know, exactly. Because yeah. the inf- inflation rate, the headline inflation number, agglomerates a lot of things. Some of which seniors are not routinely buying. I mean, how many times are you going to go out and? I mean, it's incorporating cars, TVs, quality and enhancement. So, in other words, if the car is ten thousand dollars more expensive, but the they believe that it's a twelve percent better car. 
it doesn't look like they adjust it so that it doesn't look like the car is any more expensive. There's been no inflation. So the issue is what you actually see in the store as a retired person may be up more than 6%. So the issue is you really need to be earning something or you are going to see your savings just eaten by uh, inflation. She just said that. Janice Boyce Trevelyan, every time we check our retirement account, it is shrinking. Mm. That may also be obviously because the market – Two has been down. Janice Boyce Trevelyan, if you and uh, your family, Emergent Financial Services, I've seen it firsthand as well. These guys would do well by you guys if you want to consider um, alternative um, investing strategies. They're a great sounding board for you. I've tagged you on in a thread with Alex Erpy if you guys want to connect. Um, all right, so dot the I's and cross the T's. This is something that we don't necessarily have to worry about yet in Charlottesville, mm-hmm. Central Virginia. This is a run on banks that are not in the mortgage space. What happened in 2008, 2009, much more impactful mm-hmm. because it included people's houses. Oh, and the debt it was on universal. Home. In other yeah. words, every bank was ubiquitous. has mortgages. Yeah. If those mortgages begin to not pay, it's complete contagion. Not every bank has tech company depositors. And exactly. a lot of re- local banks in Charlottesville don't necessarily have millions in tech companies. Exactly. Okay. So perspective and clarity and some, some um, straightforward perspective there from the CEO of Emergent Financial Services. Anything else you want to offer on this? I got one more topic I want to relate to the viewers and listeners, and you can put that headlight on screen. Roanoke City Council is considering a curfew for teenagers because of gun violence in Roanoke mm-hmm. City. I'll ask the question, should Charlottesville consider that? Anything else you want to touch on with the banks? Last one of this, I'll touch briefly on what you had kind of alluded to at the beginning regarding Powell and where the federal... Oh, yeah, the rate. rates. The rates. It's a tricky one because on the one hand, this is a clear signal that these high rates are hurting banks yeah. and making a big problem. On the other hand, he's looking at 0%, 0.4% month-to-month inflation after... What, how many rate heights are we at now? Nine or ten? At least. At least rate heights? Yeah. So the problem is he's looking and saying inflation is not stopping. I would argue that because the fact that he's not having an impact because the other half of Congress, like the other half of monetary policy is continuing to spend. And in other words, it doesn't matter if he raises rates more. It's not having an impact. However, from Powell's perspective, he's going to be looking at it saying we, that shows we need to raise rates more. On the other hand, he's going to be looking and saying this is a bad sign that banks are beginning to seriously feel the weight of the interest rate environment. Yeah, well said. I think that was perfect. Anything you want to touch on with this? Yeah, I would agree. Uh, the banks are feeling the weight because I think uh, uh, collectively they've – continue to do exactly what got them into uh, the... Uh, but can you blame them if they consistently can get... Can blame them they can, for... Can, they continue to get a lifeline. Why would exactly. They, why would they change their behavior if they're oh, yeah, continuing to get a lifeline? It's moral exactly. hazard, right? Yeah. It's and that's hazard. part of the problem with, with uh, I think, covering all, all of the, uh, covering all of the depositors in this bank. But the al- even if it's not... Even if it's not uh, paying taxpayer money to cover them, it, it's uh, pointing, it's showing the banks that they might lose their, you know, they might go under. But the alternative of not covering backstop, backstopping, the alternative of not backstopping is 
literally a loss of confidence in the American banking system. And if you lose confidence in the American banking system, we have significantly larger problems. Yes. That they had to do this it's because it's always the moral if, hazard catch. If is. the retail, if the retail user of the bank, us, Jimmy Stewart, and it's a wonderful life. Yep. We lose confidence in the banks. We got to keep the money in our. That will collapse America. That's a great excuse, but nobody, no normal person like us is in that bank with over $250,000. And how many of the accounts that are over that are just SPACs? Here's, that's a fair counterpoint. That is a fair point. My counterpoint to this, with this story, how many Americans, how many of us, there are 330 million. How many of those 330 million are kids that we could probably discount from this? Maybe 80 or 100? Yeah, yeah let's say 180 million like working Americans. Yeah, 180 sure. million? Yeah. Of the 180 million working Americans, how many have actually taken a deep dive into this story that, and know that there's a $250,000 threshold that we're really talking about here? Probably mm-hmm. not many. I bet you all of them just see the freaking headline, no mm-hmm. confidence in banks, and they sprint to pull their money. Okay, well, but we had a 145 conference we'll call, and he's got that, it today. We'll by that same logic, how would they know that the other side of it? The, I, I, I see why you would want not to backstop the banks because by continuing to backstop the banks, we're teaching them that it's okay to do this. Mm-hmm. You want them to learn a lesson. I get that. I just don't want the lesson to be learned at the expense of the American economy. That's fair. Yeah. I just don't want I mean, it to I've be... I've also heard the concern expressed that the Fed does not want to see a lot of regional banks go under because they do not want a further consolidation into yeah. the national There's going to be like four banks owning yeah, America. Yeah, you don't want only What, Bank of America, left. Morgan Stanley, J.P. Morgan? Yeah, I, I have heard that expressed that the, there was some deep concern... We need it. ...about people running on regional banks. That, oh, my small bank must not be trustworthy... Because it's small. Because it's small. Because it's a little Podoc bank. That would happen. That would 100% happen. Um, ah, I want to keep going with you guys. We'll save the Roanoke topic for city council, considering a curfew for teenagers tomorrow. We have our 145 conference call. It's literally 145. <laughs> Today, manana, my friend. Today, my friend. Two local companies. Uh, we're going to be Katie uh, B. Glass Art. Um, and the Solar Fire Die. So a little bit. We had two artists last week. We'll have another artist this week as well as um, solar panels, solar, solar installations. So it's going to be, we like to keep the focus on the, you know, on today manana at least. I mean, these topics are very important. And on today manana, we'll, we'll kind of dive a little bit into some local business there and, uh, and see what happens. Thursdays at 10.15 a.m. Today manana. Fantastic work. And a fantastic show presented by Emergent Financial Services. Judah Wickhauer hit a home run. Alex Erpe hit a home run. My name is Jerry Miller. I just hit a single today. Thank you kindly for watching the I Love Seville show. The conference call is literally 30 seconds late. Everybody have a good afternoon. Good work, boys. Excellent Excellent show. Yeah, great thoughts, Judah. Very good stuff.